The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to John. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But Thomas, who was called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands and put my finger in the mark of the nails and my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were again in the house and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. Now, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing, you may have life in his name. The Gospel of the Lord. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. The book has 2,000 reviews on Amazon, and the average rating is an almost unheard of 4.8 stars out of five. The title of the book is Evidence that demands a verdict. And its publishers describe it as an expansive defense of Christianity's core truths, rebuttals to some recent and popular forms of skepticism, and insightful responses to the Bible's most difficult and misused passages. Everything you need to effectively defend the truths of the Bible and the beliefs of the Christian faith. Evidence for the Bible. Evidence for Jesus. Evidence for the Old Testament. Evidence for truth.
defense, rebuttals, and evidence, evidence, evidence. I'm not a lawyer, but this sounds to me a lot like what goes on in a modern jury trial. Is this what believing in the risen Christ is about? Being convinced by a preponderance of evidence that Jesus really did rise from the dead? For some Christians, believing that Jesus really did rise from the dead is what will save a person from eternal damnation. Therefore, getting other people to believe in Jesus and his resurrection is the most important calling of any Christian's life since it literally saves other people's souls. And so books like Evidence That Demands a Verdict become bestsellers because they equip Christians with compelling arguments to convince and convert non-believers, thus saving their souls. But is this what is happening in today's gospel? Is Thomas demanding compelling arguments and incontrovertible evidence that Jesus has been raised from the dead? Let me suggest that the answer is no. Thomas is not like the modern-day unbeliever whom well-intentioned Christians can persuade with powerful arguments that can be learned from a book. If we look closely at the gospel text, we will see that no argument his fellow disciples can offer, no matter how cogent or compelling, is going to make Thomas believe. Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands and put my finger in the mark of the nails in my hand and his side, I will not believe. Do you find it curious that Thomas does not say, unless I see him with my own eyes, I will not believe? It is not seeing Jesus that Thomas demands. It is seeing his wounds and touching them. And if we look closely at today's gospel text, we will see that this is the same thing that convinced the other disciples. They were gathered behind closed doors out of fear of those same people who had arrested Jesus. And Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Having Jesus appear among them and say, peace be with you, is not enough. It is only after he shows them his wounded hands and his side that they rejoice at seeing the Lord. Just like it was for Thomas, it is Jesus' wounds that allow the other disciples to recognize him. In a sermon she preached at one of the prisons in Canyon City last Sunday, Lutheran pastor and best-selling author Nadia Boltz Weber said, Jesus didn't try and hide the mark from the spear on his side. He didn't wear gloves to conceal his scars. 
Jesus came and stood among his disciples and said, peace be with you. Then he showed them his hands and his side. He knew that he would be known by his wounds. And isn't that true for us as well? Pastor Nadia continues, we can only really know and be known when we show our scars. I never really feel a connection to someone until they have shared with me the lumpy, broken, petty parts of themselves. I may be inspired by the virtue and accomplishments of others, but I only feel less alone when someone shares their failures with me, the parts of themselves that have been hurt. As the singer Beyonce says, show me your scars and I won't walk away. My friends, have you ever wondered why Jesus wasn't raised from the dead whole and healed of his wounds? Why does he still bear the marks of the nails in his hands and the mark of the spear in his side? The wounds are signs of Jesus' love, signs of the lengths he will go to out of love for you and me. The wounds are signs that there is no hurt we can suffer that he has not suffered, no injustice we can incur that he has not incurred. There is no sin we have committed, nor is there a sin committed against us that cannot be forgiven. In her sermon last Sunday, Pastor Nadia points out that our being raised with Christ doesn't mean that the wounds we have suffered in our lives are erased. We carry them the rest of our lives. I will always be that young boy who suffered chronic asthma. I will always be that person who suffered anorexia for six long years and severe depression for even longer. Allow me to finish by quoting Pastor Nadia at some length because I cannot say it any better. She is undoubtedly one of the finest preachers alive today. Every act of violence, every moment of pleasure, every hateful thing we have said or which has been said to us, every kindness, every sorrow, every ounce of laughter. We carry all of it with us in some form or another. We are walking embodiments of our entire story. Being an Easter people, a people of resurrection, is not to be cleansed from all harm. And it is not to have all the bad things that we have done or that have happened to us erased. Resurrection is not about rewriting our past or forgetting what happened. I wish that's how it worked, but it just isn't. Because resurrection is not reversal. The things that happened to Jesus' body 
the state-sanctioned violence, the flogging, the crucifixion, remained even after he defeated death and rose from the grave. He still bore the marks of that pain, but the pain was not what defined him. What if God is like Jesus? What if God is not who we thought? What if the most reliable way to know God is not through religion, not through a reward and punishment program, not through evidence that demands a verdict, but through a person? What if the most reliable way to know God is to look at how God chose to reveal God's self in Jesus, even in Jesus' wounds. Because that changes everything. If what we see in Jesus is God's own self revealed, then what we are dealing with here is a God who is very different than how I would be if I were God. In Jesus, we see a God who would rather die than be in the sin-accounting business anymore. A God who does not lift a finger to condemn those who crucified him, but went to the depths of hell rather than be separated even from his betrayers. A God unafraid to get his hands dirty for the ones he loves. This is the God who raised Jesus from the grave still wounded, and who chose a woman with a past to tell everyone else about it. If you think the only sign of God bringing new life is the absence of pain or failure, and therefore you haven't experienced it, you might be wrong. That's the point. Our scars and our sorrow will always be part of our story, but they will never be the conclusion of our story. Which means that even when you feel trapped in your pain, trapped in your past, trapped in your own story like it is, it is itself a tomb, know this, that there is no stone that God cannot roll away.